0: Aloha and welcome to another episode of Friday Night Kunani Patrol. This is your host, Mikuni Moonsayak. In this episode, I interview Melissa Prieto. Melissa is a sports performance specialist, oxygen advantage master instructor, and a strength and conditioning coach for combat sports athletes. We discuss many great topics like breathwork, strength and conditioning, mixed martial arts, and Melissa's experience of being a female leader in a male-dominated culture. A lot to learn in this episode. Without further ado, let's get started. Friday night, come patrol. Aloha, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Friday Night Kunani Patrol, the podcast with the goal of creating a community of optimal human beings. I am your host, Mikuni Munsayak, and today's optimal human being calling all the way from Mexico City is Melissa Prieto. Melissa, please introduce yourself and tell the listeners what it is that you do.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's gonna be fun. So I'm a sports performance specialist. Um, I mainly work with pro MMA fighters. I have a a background in sports science and I'm currently a master instructor for Oxygen Advantage. I have worked with several other sports um, years back, but mainly now I'm working with MMA.
0: How did you get into combat sports? Why combat sports specifically?
1: So I've always been into sports. I used to play tennis on a competitive level a few, a few years back. So um, and I have always been, you know, curious about how different sports get managed and the training aspect of it. So I used to train boxing and Muay Thai years back. So I knew that they didn't have like this huge structure such as other sports like football, baseball, or even other Olympic sports. So I got a call from, um, from a friend that was attending a seminar and I, had to get, I got an invitation uh, to attend a seminar at the UFC PI. That was like um, three years ago. So I got to attend to this seminar and training over there, which was amazing, one of the best ones I've ever attended to. And that's how I, I started like working with pro MMA fighters.
0: So it's pretty recent then.
1: Um, Yeah, quite a bit. I mean, I started with uh, no pro MMA fighters. Some of them, there were amateur, like four years and a half ago, but starting with pro MMA fighters over three years ish.
0: And now about how many fighters are you currently working with?
1: Um, Over 10 now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you have fighters in (laughs) in Velletor, you have fighters in UFC, What, what other organizations do you have fighters in?
1: Yeah, uh, besides those, um, there's another one in Sweden, which is called FRC, I think. Um, There's another one called Combate Americas, which is like a Latin um, big league right now because they're having fights in the U.S., Um, but they have a huge roster um, also there's another league called Lux Fight, which is a Mexican one, but they're like this league that they're bringing new prospects into the UFC.
0: I've heard of Combate Americas. Um, I have a friend, uh, he was the fight promoter for my last fight in Las Vegas. His name is Rudy Morales. I don't know if you're familiar. Oh, okay. Yeah. he was. Yeah. I've heard I, of him. Yeah. He used to fight in Combate Americas and he was the... Fight promoter for my first Muay Thai fight in Las Vegas at the time. So, oh,
1: that's amazing! That's yeah. great. Yeah, combat is a big one.
0: Yeah, it it looks really good. Their presentation is really well done, and yeah, everything yeah, legit for sure. So as far as uh breath work, how did you get yourself? How did you find yourself into that? Because for me, uh, like I was telling you earlier off off air, I just heard it on a podcast and heard about uh, Patrick McCune. And about how all these fighters are unlocking these new levels with Mm -hmm, training, new mm -hmm. network. And uh, that's how I got into it. So what about you?
1: Well, honestly, I got an invitation from Patrick itself. Um, I bumped into some training and I got to talk to him. And honestly, I'm honored to say that Um, he was kind enough to make an invitation for me to be part of the master instructor group. So that was kind of it. I mean, I did some trainings of breath work at the UFCPI a while ago. Uh, it wasn't with Oxygen Advantage; it was with another company, but they're doing a great job as well with breath work and those type of things. But yeah, that that was pretty much it, to be honest.
0: That is, I would totally fangirl if Patrick were the one to reach out to me and be like, "Hey, can you uh, can you be an instructor for us?" That's super cool. Um, <laughs> yeah,
1: it is. It's such a cool story. I think. I mean, um, he he's a great professional and great human being. He he's just so down to earth, and he's so not knowledgeable and he's great. I mean.
0: Well, let's get into all of Patrick's work real quick. So. I I try to preach all of this to everyone that I ever work with people just in my everyday life. And, uh, they think I'm crazy sometimes, but maybe you can just (laughs) the listeners like, what are the benefits of nasal breathing? What's happening? Why should we be doing it? And how does it promote an optimal lifestyle?
1: Yeah. So I think it's one of the things that most of, I mean, even, you know, People who like to do sports out of like a competitive level forget about. It's one of those basic things that we think we know, but honestly, majority of people don't know how to breathe properly. So, and, and it's weird. Some people might be surprised, but it's the truth. And I think breathing is, is a huge thing and it's the basis of good performance. or performing well in general life. Uh, breathing through the nose has a lot of benefits from, you know, um, oxygen delivery, NO2 production, um, distribution of oxygen in your lungs, uh, providing more clattery in, in your mind. It gives you a sense of focus and peace of mind as well. So it has a lot of benefits. Even, you know, it helps with your sleep quality. for You mean that affects immediately or impacts? your performance. If you're not sleeping well, you're not gonna perform well, for sure. So breathing is a huge component in that in that term, right? In sleeping, focused, performance. Um, it has a lot of benefits, not just for athletes, but for everyone.
0: So when I, like I said, when I tell this to people, they think I'm crazy. They think it's like hippie mumbo jumbo. But when I start <laughs> explaining the, the chemistry side, as far as what's happening, as far as biochemistry, which I believe you say is one of the pillars of what the oxygen advantage Of breathing. Of breathing, right? Yeah,
1: for sure. We can get into that if you want
0: to. Yeah, what is happening chemistry-wise? So just so the listeners don't think, oh, okay, Kuni, just breathe through your nose. Like, no, there's an actual science of what's happening. So could you please explain uh, the chemistry? Yeah, of
1: course. And I think it's really important to highlight that breath work has a science behind it. There's a lot of studies behind it. It's just not a trend. I mean, as of right now, it might sound like a, like a trend, you know, or something that, you know, fitness people are doing. But to be honest, it goes way beyond that. So um, when we're talking about breathing, it's really important to know the pillars of breathing. So there's uh, three pillars that are really important when we are talking about breath work. And the first one is biochemistry, as you said. It's how well we tolerate CO2. And we can get into that a little bit later on. And the second one is the pace of breathing. How much volume you're having or how much volume of air you're breathing. It is important to have a good cadence of breathing. Otherwise, you might be breathing a lot of volume of air, but you're not oxygenating your muscles or cells, if that makes sense. And then we have, uh, and then we have, you know, horizontal breathing, which is the biomechanics of breathing. A lot of people have vertical breathing or paradoxical breathing, which is, you know, how you notice the chest goes up and down. So it's really important to have this horizontal breathing where you're breathing from your diaphragm. And it's barely noticeable, if if that makes sense. So those three things. Okay. So those three pillars are really important whenever you're talking about breath work, or you're trying to implement any breath work um, training in your you know in your programming. You have to have in mind those three because it's really important to work on those three, not just one aspect of it. Sometimes. I've seen great yoga instructors working sometimes in just one pillar, you know, which is, um, biomechanics probably, or sometimes they might work only on pace breathing, the rhythm of the breathing, but you got to work on those three. Otherwise you're not going to be well-rounded or you're not going to develop the performance that you might want to have.
0: So I've read the book. I think I'm on my second time reading it now, but, uh, for the for the other listeners, um, maybe we can ex- you can explain to them how is it that we can increase our tolerance to carbon dioxide.
1: Good, yeah. So before I get into that, I think it's really important to explain what is CO2 and why is important in terms of breathing. Because if we talk about CO2, probably not a lot of people know what is CO2. So. I mean, a lot of people think it's just a waste gas, and honestly, it's not a waste gas. It's, it helps as a buffer and it helps to release oxygen. So, if you have a lot of CO2 in your bloodstream, that's the one that's a catalyst to release oxygen into your cells. So, there's hemoglobin, which is a protein in our blood, which allows the oxygen to enter your cells and your muscles. But if there's not enough CO2, there's no catalyst for the hemoglobin to release that oxygen, right? So that's why it's really important to have that tolerance of CO2. Otherwise, you n- you might not be receiving a lot of oxygen in your system, in your body. So that's why it's really important to have in mind why CO2 plays a big role into releasing oxygen into your body, okay? so. There's many ways that we can um, start working on CO2 t- tolerance. First of all, um, let's say in oxygen advantage me- method, um, we do work on certain scores in order to see where that person is at or where that athlete is at. So it's, it's a baseline where we can see where that athlete is it is at. And from that we can start building up and working on, on a certain program. So we have Two different scores that we currently use with Oxygen Advantage. One is the Bolt score, um, and the second one is the MBT score. Okay, Bolt score you can measure it um, when you wake up. As soon as you wake up, you see it on the edge of the bed, and then you put your timer. You inhale normally, then exhale, then you pinch your nose, and the first uh, instinct or reaction that you have that you need to breathe, then you stop your timer. So that's the first to score. And then the MBT is the maximum breathlessness test where um, you stand up, you put your timer as well. You can use that too, or you can even just count the number of paces that you can, you can take, that's the maximum. The first one is not the maximum. It's just the first instinct or need to breathe. The second one, it is the maximum breathlessness test how many steps you can take or how long you can you know, hold on your breath. And from that, we can see um, where that person is at and we can start doing certain um, exercises or trying to implement certain methods into a programming.
0: For the maximum breathlessness test, um, is it, do you count it after an inhale or after an exhale?
1: After exhale. It is really important, even on every exercise, in terms of breath hold, it is important to do it after you exhale. Otherwise, it won't work or it won't push you to that limit, you know? Some people do it the other way and they do it when they inhale. That's the wrong way.
0: And then they're not creating the adaptations if they do it that
1: way. Yeah, exactly. There's not enough CO2 buildup in your body when you're inhaling. So you got to exhale, get rid of the CO2 that you have, and then you can start creating CO2 buildup.
0: Interesting. So as far as breath work for me, um, as far as my protocols, like before I go to training, I try to do my bold score uh, before training, and then I'll do um, a bunch of strong breath holds, like at least five, 10 strong breath holds before training. Okay. And I do that because they say in the book that the spleen contracts, and the spleen is like a blood bank and it releases uh red blood cells so that gives me more oxygen availability during training correct
1: yeah that's correct You're so correct i and... totally
0: feel the difference um when i do these breath holding exercises compared to when i don't do them like if i go to training uh, like jiu practice or hit the mitts or sparring or whatever and i don't do my strong breath holds before practice i'm gassed and I yeah it makes comparable. a difference
1: it definitely does. And, and you're correct. I mean, it is helpful in terms that your your spleen contracts and even you're creating more nitric oxide, which is really helpful in terms of, you know, um, cleaning up your airways and redistributing your blood in your lungs. We have a dead space in your lungs, around 150 milliliters of dead space, right? So that dead space in your lungs, it is um, it is avoiding for the oxygen to distribute around your lungs or the air. So that helps. Let's say that you have a lot of blood right on the lower part of your lungs. So that, that is making you not to have a lot of oxygen around all your lungs. So NO helps to distribute that blood. So it helps to redistribute your, your oxygen around your lungs, right? So it is helpful too not only because of the spleen contracting, but it also creates NO production in your nose and the nasal cavity and your lungs as well. Wow,
0: I didn't know about that dead space in the lungs. Thanks for teaching me something new today. Um... Oh, I'm <laughs> glad
1: to hear that because I know you know.
0: Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so what about your, your fighters? Um, what are the breathing protocols that you do as far as for like pre-training or pre-fight? Um, another one I'm interested in is what is your breathing protocol in between rounds in order for them to recover? Mm -hmm.
1: Okay. So uh, let's say every fighter is different, just like any other athlete. Each one of them are very different and unique. Everyone has their own um, objectives and needs in terms of, you know, performance. So with every other programming, I always say, oxygen advantage, or any other type of breath work, it is supplemental to what I do as a strength and conditioning coach, okay? So it's another tool in my toolbox. You know, we, we might have other type of tools that we might use into the programming, but it is important to know where that athlete is at. So I always based why t- what type of uh, programming I'm doing in terms of breath work, Uh, based on my battery test, or my assessment with that athlete, with that particular athlete. So I always run battery tests, whether it's strength, VO2 max, power, uh, those type of abilities. Otherwise, I will be, you know, just guessing where that athlete is and just to, you know, um, aiming for the best, let's say. So we're not working that way. So I always run that assessment and battery test first. And those are scores that we previously talked about, MBT and Bolt score. And from that, I try to build a good program or a programming that suits best that athlete. Okay. So, but in general or general speaking, these guys sometimes might have lower Bolt scores most of them have low bowl scores, and you might be surprised. Yeah, I saw that face. It is surprising, <laughs> but, but to be honest, that's the truth. I mean, these guys can push hard, you know that. Um, they're a different type of athlete um, in terms or in, you know, in comparison with other sports. They're different, but they have, they have this tendency of having bronchoconstriction. There's a lot of fighters, um, pushing really hard, but with their mouth open, you know? So that creates a lot of inflammation in the airways. That's why they have low bolt scores. Um, fighters receive a lot of punches in the face, you know, a lot of broken noses, broken bones in the face that creates inflammation. And of course, obstruction in terms of breathing. So, um, a lot of fighters breathe through their mouth. Pretty that, That's pretty common to see. And even if you see them under daily routine or daily activities, they do breathe through their mouth while they're watching their phones or driving or watching the TV. It is really important to see how that athlete breathes not only during training, but under daily life. That is going to determine how well are they going to perform or how well they're breathing during training you know breathing is not it's not an indicator of cardiovascular uh, fitness let's say or let's put it that way but it definitely can improve your performance you know it's not an indicator but it it definitely can change your performance if you fix that so from that battery test i can i could tell And from that score, I can tell where that fighter can go. But even though fighters with low bolt scores can push hard on um, stimulation of high altitude, I've seen that. And you might think that someone with a lower bolt score might not do well with Brett Holtz, but fighters do. Fighters can, yeah, fighters can push hard. Fighters can... um, Go through stimulation of high altitude. That's one of the main things that I that I use uh, with fighters. Uh, to be honest, there's a lot of things that I implement in terms of breath work during uh, programming. It also depends where we at. If we are, uh, let's say, off camp, that's one type of adaptation I need to do during that phase. And as long as we enter, I mean, as fast as we do enter flight camp, there's other types of adaptation that I need to create. Okay. It also depends, you know, time athlete and battery test. Those are like the three things for me in order to implement, um, breath work program into the program itself in terms of strength and conditioning.
0: So, what if somebody's listening to this right now and they're maybe an aspiring athlete or maybe just even an average Joe who wants to work out and incorporate breath work? What would be something that you would recommend to them in order to get started with this breath work?
1: So, first of all, see how you're breathing during the whole day. Just check how you're breathing. Are you opening your mouth a lot and you don't need to? That's one thing. If you you start noticing and becoming aware of how you breathe on a daily basis, like that's the first thing, that's the first step. And from that, if you start noticing like, oh wow, um, I'm not really breathing from my nose. I, I always say like, nose is for breathing and the mouth is to eat and chew, right? So you don't need to open your mouth unless you're an athlete, a high level athlete. And let me tell you why, because let's say with fighters, if they're doing something that goes beyond the anaerobic threshold, or it's way beyond that maximum intensity, they can open their mouth while training, but they can do it through the diaphragm, not chest breathing. You can do open your mouth, but deep and from the diaphragm. And it's like a gear. You can switch gears. If it's maximum intensity, you can go back and recover and then go back mouth to nose and then nose to nose. And if it's and if it becomes a little bit higher intensity, then you can go back mouth to nose. And if it becomes a way harder then you can just do it mouth mouth and just switch gears. But I'm talking about high level performance athletes, you know, where they're really pushing hard through that threshold. If not There's no need to open your mouth, you know. And from that, just check how you're breathing. Do those two tests and see how you're doing. Those two tests are going to determine where you can start in terms of breathing. But I would advise to start like if you like training or you like doing certain type of sports, you can start doing your warm up nasally, you know, 10 minutes nasally and then we're good. Or you can even go out and start doing, you know, walks, walk outside, but do it through your nose. 20 minutes, 30 minutes. It also depends on your level. But start creating that adaptation and see how it goes. Also, one thing that it's really important is how you're breathing while you're sleeping. That's one thing that you might want to change as well. If you find yourself like with dry throat on the morning or your nasal cavity is dry as well, um, then you're breathing through your mouth during the night. So there's there's taping, special taping that we might use during the night um, that it's really helpful. You can start with those kind of things. Always, I always say, change one thing. Don't change three or four things at a time because it's gonna become too much, you know?
0: Absolutely, because um, I'm an online coach as well on the on top of being a professional mixed martial artist and uh i have seven pillars of optimal health that i've preached to my clients and this is just off of my life experience and based off of like the research that i've been doing and number one Mm -hmm. as far as optimal health that you need to get in check is functional breathing absolutely most definitely and yeah uh, of course yeah because if people like you were saying just seeing how you're breathing that right there, like it sounds really simple, but once you see how you're breathing and pay attention to your breath, that whole mindfulness aspect just kicks in. Because once you can pay attention to your breath and close your mouth, allow the carbon dioxide to really build back up, open the blood vessels up, and allow yourself to start thinking clearly or more clear at least, then from there, then you can start tackling everything else as far as health wise. But breathing is number one for me because. Like, no matter what age you are, what career you are, what profession, like, you can focus on your breathing. Everybody breathes, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, of course. If not, we die.
0: Exactly. If you're not breathing, you're dead. But most people are (laughs) killing themselves with the way that they're breathing nowadays because they're just over-breathing. So, to just to repeat what you were saying, if people want to get started, pay attention to how you breathe and perhaps, uh, do a bold score and a maximum breathlessness test just to, to kind of see where you're at. And then, uh, yeah, sure. work out and do some nasal breathing, perhaps do your warm-up nasal breathing, or maybe just go on some walks nasal breathing and start with small adaptations that way. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, correct. That's it. I mean, from that, you can start building up and just to see if you're, um, at a point where you can start implementing small breath holds and from that stronger breath holds i wouldn't advise strong breath holds you know cold turkey because if there's no previous adaptation you're not going to feel well at all or probably you're not going to handle well
0: interesting so you were saying something earlier about gears of breathing and uh I heard the gears of breathing from, I forget which podcast it was I was listening to, but once I heard about this gears of breathing thing, it was like a paradigm shift in my mind Uh, because he said gear one is nasal in, nasal out, light, and then number two is nasal in, nasal out, moderate, three is nasal in, mouth out, and then four is mouth in, mouth out, and that uh, opened my mind because he was saying like, yes you can go to gear four mouth in mouth out however you can only sustain it for about 10 seconds and then it takes mm-hmm. a really long time to re-energize or re uh to recover, recover from recover, recover that. that energy system so yeah so as far as like personal experience when i do uh rolling uh jiu-jitsu or hitting the mitts or sparring i as much as possible, I'll keep it nasal the whole time. And I'll know yeah. that I'm being super efficient at the end of a round when my sparring partner is uh, breathing through the mouth and I'm just like chilling. With my You're
1: mouth. good.
0: Yeah. And it feels <laughs> really awesome. So yeah. That's those, great. Yeah. Those gears of breathing were just a life changer for me. So if anybody here is listening to this and you guys practice MMA or combat sports, pay attention to your breathing guys. Cause it makes all the freaking difference. And once you can like pay attention to your breathing, especially in like moments of chaos like that, cause when you're rolling and someone's trying to choke you or someone's trying to punch your head off yeah, and you can actually pay attention and stay calm in those moments of chaos, like it'll give you a huge advantage. So like in between rounds, how, do you, how do you advise your fighters to breathe in between rounds? Cause that's been something that's been bugging me as well.
1: Well, I always advise to go nasal breathing, to be honest. I mean, if you can recover faster, let's say that they're doing the gear thing, you know, and they're probably finishing. Let's talk about training. We'll talk about competition after this. So, because there's a little of variation between, you know, those settings or those type of scenarios, let's call it that way. Um, in terms of training, if they're finishing a high intensity bout or drill, let's say, they might probably open their mouth. So let's say that they're finishing that round and it's time to recover. If they can go back and switch gears really fast, then they can recover nasally, you know. And I, I always advise, all right, if you need to, to open your mouth, do it, but try to go back. Try to go, you know, to nasal breathing. If you need to, lay down, lay down and just to flex your knees and recover nasally because recovery becomes faster if you're laying down. So a lot of fighters do that or they keep on walking, but just through nasal breathing. Okay. Um, I always, I'm always watching while they're training because I've always tried to emphasize on, you know, not opening the mouth. If I see, if I see one of the fighters that I train open their mouth, like constantly, I know there's something off and I always like, Hey, your mouth, your mouth, they already know. (laughs) Sometimes I don't even say something and they already know that I'm just, you know, watching their mouth, like, or I will I will go like, and they know you know. Um, in terms of competition or fight day, there's a lot of things going on at that moment, you know. And the last thing that I want the fighter to focus on is just on you know things that they don't need to focus on. If that fighter has been doing breath breath work for the whole fight camp and just even during general prep. They already know, you know, it's something that becomes an habit. So I, I don't have to be there like, hey, your mouth, hey, you're breathing. That's the least a perfect moment to start, you know, saying someone to breathe properly. Um, it, it becomes something that they already know. So their body responds well when they have that adaptation. If it's someone that hasn't done that type of work before, course they are not going to do it and they're going to they're not going to recover faster. I've seen the fighters that I've worked with um recover in 25 seconds, 20 seconds. So, you know, a I minute mean, is plenty for them to go full gear and go back again and have that I love that from breath work. It has given me the ability to create that adaptation in fighters and to have that repeated sprint ability in the athlete so it's that term that they don't gas out you know that's what we hear out and oh that fighter gassed out yeah but it goes beyond that it's not it's just it's not just a matter of cardio quote-unquote because that that's the wrong term to say the right and proper thing to say is energy system development Mm -hmm. so um that that's a huge huge thing there, you know because we always hear that no he doesn't have enough cardio he gassed out he was tired blah blah, blah. but it, it it has a lot of things to do in terms of energy system development so breath work has allowed me to create that repeated spring ability in fighters so they go one round and they go hard and they can you know produce that same power over and over again without declining so that's repeated sprint ability and um but yeah the fighters that that already have that you know previous adaptation they know how to recover if there's blood in the fight eh, well everything happens there's always going to be something in a fight (laughs) that might happen but probably that fighter is going to be able to recover faster due to their ability to breathe through their nose
0: So in between rounds for when it comes to competition, do you give them a certain cadence? Like, hey, because uh, a thing that I see often when I watch professional fights is they're in the corner and then as soon as they sit them down, they're like, okay, so you got to go for the jab and you got to slip that head kick. And you watch the fighter and they're still, they're still like, yeah. like dude like let the fighter breathe first and then you can talk to them when they're clear-headed so
1: exactly yeah when you
0: corner your fighters do you tell them is there a specific cadence that you guys practice to get them calm first before you uh give the advice or whatever
1: yeah i always go to deep and slow breathing that's the that's the best way to get back you know in that mindset and focused but without trying to go into that parasympathetic state too much you know just trying to keep the focus and the fighter alert and what he needs to focus but i always i mean if they're hyperventilating i try to calm them down because otherwise they're not going to be able to get back and to execute what they need to execute at the moment and um there are certain protocols that we do previously um before stepping into the octagon, um, like three hours before, and then we do some breath holds and a little bit of hyperventilation and slow and deep breathing, um, let's say 30 minutes before stepping in. So there is a combination. That one before stepping in, like 30 minutes before, it's a combination between slow and deep breathing, hyperventilation, and breath holds, strong breath holds. That way we're creating um, a little bit of, you know, um, balance between parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system. That way the fighter is alert, it's focused, but it's not that um, hyper anxious or hyper relaxed. So we try to create that balance for that fighter before before he steps into the octagon. And we also work one night before the fight. Let's say during the weight cut, it's really important also to, to implement certain breathing protocols, you know, that, that helps the fighter to stay calm, stay relaxed and focused in that task. And then after that, he can, you know, go to weight in, recover, refuel. And then on the day of the fight, we do certain protocols before it three hours before and then 30 minutes before.
0: Could you, I mean, I don't want you to give away your secrets or anything, but
1: <laughs> <laughs> maybe you
0: could give us a little example of what you mean as far as your, cause you said you do combination of deep and slow breathing, hyperventilation, and then the breath holds. So what would be like yeah. exercise that you do for those three things?
1: So in terms of uh, slow and deep breathing is just pretty basic, but we try to keep on Four seconds in, we hold one second and then we exhale in five seconds. So that's the cadence that we use for that one. We keep it deep. We keep it, you know, barely perceptible. So it's really slow and just expanding your ribs and from your diaphragm. We do that like around three to four minutes and then we switch up gears. Then we go into hyperventilation, which is fast breathing. You're going to um, go up in terms of the volume of air that you're breathing. You know, we do that around 40 seconds.
0: And that's like, and
1: then, yeah, that's like, right. And then we go to breath holds immediately after that. So we exhale and then we do breath holds. We can do breath holds from 12, 15 seconds. It really depends which fighter you're working with. Right. And then we repeat that. We repeat that um, um, for around 10 minutes, five minutes. So it depends, but those are like the three things that we do.
0: And you said this is about 30 minutes before jumping into the cage. Like, you know, fight's coming up Mm -hmm. already. Okay, Yeah. yeah. So um, just to go back to what you were saying earlier, you were talking about parasympathetic and sympathetic response. Uh, if you guys are listening and you guys don't know what sympathetic and parasympathetic response, I don't know if I can explain it correctly, but I believe, so, I want to say it's part of the central, like your central nervous system in your brain has a sympathetic mm-hmm. and parasympathetic tone and sympathetic is for when you're in like fight or flight mode, correct? And then parasympathetic yeah. is when you're in like rest, relax, and digest mode okay. and chill mode. Correct?
1: yeah you got it right that's uh, perfect yeah, yeah. well explained okay. <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> so something I wanted to talk about that was um a problem for me when I because when I moved here I, I started training mixed martial arts full-time and it was I was mm-hmm. going training twice a day like six seven times a week and like really over training and um I never took into consideration doing cool down like cool downs or cool down breathing and mm-hmm. I had problems sleeping at night. I would go home exhausted. Okay. But I would uh, be up all night and I wouldn't be able to sleep. And then I just find myself on YouTube watching jujitsu videos and taking notes just because I couldn't sleep. And then once <laughs> I started getting into breath work, I realized you're not uh, you're not cooling down after. You're not doing like recovery breathing. And so your brain is still in sympathetic mode. So do you do cool down breedings, uh, recovery breathings with your athletes in order to put them back in a parasympathetic state in order to promote recovery? Yeah,
1: of course. And not even just after we do have a whole session. Um, let's say that can be on Wednesday or midweek where we work on, on regen, you know, just to create, you know, that balance between parasympathetic and sympathetic because MMA is such a high-intensity intermittent sport. It requires high levels of conditioning, strength, and power, you know, to pin down an opponent. Um, So the nature of the sport itself, it's really high-intensity. So most of the time is, you know, sympathetic. That response of stress all the time, of course, it creates a, you know, a, a dysfunction between those two. So we do have a day where we do deload, we do some um, regen work in terms of breathing, um, movement, we might do some active recovery activities, such as mobility, FRC, breath work, trigger point therapy, or fascial therapy. So yeah, I do have one day a week, at least where we do that deload. And be, and after every session, I always advise to do a cool down. So movement prep and cool down are those two components where most of the athletes don't do. They only care about the core of the session where, where they go hard all the time. But those two are very important. The first part where you prepare your body for what's to come and the last one where you're relaxing and just cooling down and just to allowing your body to get back into that um, homeostasis state.
0: Yeah. That's crucial. That's so huge. Yeah. Especially fighters in this day. Well, I think fighters ever since they just have that extreme mentality, you know, and all they want to do. Yeah. Is push, go hard. Grind, 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 and go hard. And then you're like, Hey, you guys want to stretch and cool down? like. No,
1: nah, like, why go, are you talking about? I'm like,
0: gonna yeah, go punch mm-hmm. the bag some more. Like, no, dude, you gotta relax. You gotta cool down, or else.
1: Exactly. Time. Yeah, that's that's a huge thing. Um, and my fighters know already, you know. But the first time that you you get to work with someone, um, with in MMA, it is weird for them to slow down. They don't know how to slow down and and to recover and to have off days because. They have this mentality of pushing hard all the time. And they think if they're not feeling like they're dying (laughs) during a session, they feel like they're doing nothing. So it's a thing that I try to educate the athlete in terms of, listen, if you want to perform better, if you want to be stronger, if you want to be faster and everything else that you want to do, you got to recover. Otherwise, it's not going to be you're not going to be able to pull that off.
0: They say recovery is where the adaptations happen. And so if you're not recovering yeah. properly, then you're not going to make all the, all that hard work you're doing. It's not going to mean anything. And it's yeah. it's a matter of, like, I feel like the guys are just too masculine these days. So even some women, uh. like, just they're in that extreme <laughs> mindset. And when you tell them to kind of ease off and do something a little softer, like stretching or cool down breathing, they're like, what? But I I think, why are
1: you talking about exactly?
0: But as martial artists, especially as martial artists, you know, from that Eastern philosophy, we need that yin and yang, we need that balance definitely in order to to be at our best. Um, Another thing you were talking about was preparing the body, um, doing those Mm -hmm. um, breathing exercises in order to warm up the the respiratory system. And uh, I think that's huge Mm -hmm. as well because as Like anybody who works out, yeah, they'll warm up the body, they'll warm up the muscles, but they won't warm up the muscles that they need to breathe. And that's number one, right?
1: Of course, that's, that's crucial. And that's very important. I think it's key in order for the body to be ready for, you know, for the intensity of whatever you're doing in the upcoming session, you got to prepare. I mean, in terms of your muscles there's also a huge muscle in there for breathing your diaphragm. So you gotta take care of that as well. What I do with fighters or any other athlete is I incorporate during the movement prep, we do breath work. We might do some small breath holds five seconds and then we keep on doing nasal breathing. And then again, five seconds breath holds, and then we keep on going. That might be 10 minutes, you know, and you are already doing your movement prep for the upcoming session. But also you're working on breathing patterns, which is really important. So that's a nice way to incorporate, you know, any type of breath work or into your programming.
0: I think it's really awesome that you make sure you incorporate rest days as well. Like, well, not actual rest days, but I mean, uh, deload days, like those recovery days, Mm -hmm, do some mm -hmm. functional range of motion and do these breathing exercises. Because again, back to what we were saying, people don't incorporate even rest days or like Yeah, because like I was telling you before, I was just pushing myself way too hard. But once I started incorporating uh, days for recovery and not Mm -hmm. just sleeping, but I mean like doing some stretches, doing some foam rolling, doing some breathing exercises, then it was like one step back, but three steps forward. And it's made huge.
1: Yeah, that's a game changer.
0: Most definitely. And so you guys, if you want to be a professional mixed martial artist and want to be successful, you don't have to run yourself into the ground, guys. Like you can ease off. You can designate days for rest and you can do this at a slow and steady pace and still get good at the same time. So I Mm -hmm. I was uh, looking at your Instagram and it seems like uh, this job has taken you quite uh, a lot of places. Would you mind sharing where (gasps) this job has taken you and uh, some stories along the way?
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, this is one of the things that I, you know, I think that I love about my job. I mean, it's the ability to travel, to get to know other places, um, to get to know other professionals and network um, with different people from different backgrounds. So I've been blessed enough to being able to travel with fighters, because um, they, they want me to go with them, to be honest, and to have that Um, Experience of fight week. I've been into many fight weeks with fighters that I've worked with and with other friends as well. So it's been great for me, to be honest. That's one of the things that I love the most about my job. And I've been to, you know, quite a few places, to be honest. I mean, I've been into Vegas like a lot. Vegas, it's been like the thing for me because there's a lot of fights in there, but I've been into Kansas, Texas um new york i had the opportunity to be there with um, with the cejudo team as well and you know uh, what else uh florida too and i think i'm missing some places but even here in mexico being to mexico city Monterrey. um there's a lot of fights going on in monterey which is the north of the country um it's really close from the border from the border and um, yeah, that's that's one of the couple of places that I that I've been.
0: Yeah, It looks fun. And your stories, and it looks like it's been a good time.
1: <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, even for me right now with this COVID thing, it's been like a bummer, and I've been a little bit anxious about traveling because all of this thing going on. But fortunately, I started traveling in uh, November, so things are getting back into motion and getting back. So I'm glad that I'm getting back to travel again.
0: Congratulations. And hopefully uh, that's going to be really soon. So as a uh, strength conditioning coach, as a female, how, how has been the, how's the experience been?
1: Well, it's been it's been quite a ride, to be honest. Um, it is weird uh, to have a female strength and conditioning coach in MMA. Um, I know an, another another female coach, but that's the only one that I know. <laughs> to be honest, I, I know um, it is a well male dominance sport, and a lot of people think it's just for men. You know, this is sport is just a male sport, and. Honestly, I, I don't care about that opinion. I, I, there's a lot of great female fighters doing their thing in their octagon. And they're showing that they have the same level or sometimes even better than some men. <laughs> there's a more interesting fighting sometimes. But uh, for me, it's been it's been great, to be honest. There's been some challenges that I'm not going to lie. Because there's a lot of people that might think because I'm a female, I might not know what I'm doing. Or um, this is a sport for men. What is a female doing in this field? Um, You know, there's always misconceptions about it. And I've had to earn my place in this industry. And I still struggle with some opinions about, you know, me being a leader or me being an, an authority figure in terms of strength and conditioning. But with the fighters that I have the pleasure to work with, they rely on me a lot and I'm grateful for it. And they, they trust me. You know, I've created, I've been creating this bond with the athlete and they have put a lot of trust in me and what I do. And, you know, in my advice and my knowledge, and I'm really grateful for that. But there's always some, you know, some people in the environment where we work, where, where it's, they don't trust in me for being a female, you know, there's probably some comments about like, yeah, if she knows that much, why she's not doing this and that and that, you know, there's, there's always comments about it. Or sometimes during fight weeks, I, I might come across with certain people where they don't even talk to you because, you know, they neglect you or they neglect that you're in that room with certain fighter. It is, I mean, shame on them, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, because i I've, I've been, I know that I'm capable enough, and I've um, proved to myself that I'm capable of, of being a good professional in this field uh, dominated by men. It doesn't mean, I I think gender doesn't um, determine if you're capable of not of doing certain things. It's just a matter of having perspective. There's a lot of great male professionals out there as well that respect what I do. And they always ask for my opinion. And I am grateful for that as well. But there's people that don't understand. And I think it's part of, of what I do. It's one of my main goals to really just to step in and just to be a pioneer in what I do and probably to open doors for other girls or other women that are wanting to, you know, to grow in this career or probably in this field. Um, and I don't know, I love it. I mean, I love the challenge, to be honest. Um, If someone gives me a comment or I hear something that is not that positive for me being a female in this field, it is like a fuel for me to be honest. It's like, oh, really? Okay. Then I'm gonna keep on going. (laughs) Okay, okay. (laughs) Yeah, of course. I mean, it's like, okay, that that is that is fuel for me to keep on going and just to prove not only to you, but to myself that doesn't matter what the other people think, I'm going to keep on doing myself. If I want to leave a mark on other people's lives, I got to keep on doing my thing. And honestly, I I try to focus on the athlete. That's the only thing that matters for me. If I'm doing something that it's creating a better athlete, better performance, better human being, then we're doing the right thing. We're on the right path.
0: I think you said something very powerful. You said uh, gender doesn't determine your capability. So for all the young ladies or all the females out there who might be listening to this and perhaps might want to start up a field or a profession in strength conditioning or take up MMA or even just start a business, you know, in this male dominant world, don't let gender stop you from doing anything. As long as you know what you're doing and you love what you're doing and you're helping people in the process, you can be successful.
1: Amen. Do that. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Here's your example
0: right here. Oh. Melissa, if you don't know. Thank you. appreciate you know. it.
1: Yeah. But definitely,
0: you're definitely a pioneer uh, in this industry as a female in the mixed martial arts scene, because I can't think of, I can't think of any strength conditioning coaches in the mixed martial arts world right now uh, that are doing what you're doing at this level. So being a pioneer yeah. uh, accomplished so
1: <laughs> thank you appreciate it and there's there's a lot of work to do and I know there's going to be a lot of challenges ahead um, I still deal with a lot of things on a daily basis I'm not going to lie, because a lot of people get to see that fun part as you said, you get to travel a lot and you know get to know cool people places and everything yeah but behind the scenes, there's a lot of things going on. And, and let me tell you, it hasn't been easy, but I love it. And I'm always up to the challenge and um, I'm willing to step in and just to keep on leveling up and, and growing and helping the sport to grow. Because this is a very new sport. You know, it's 27 years. It's it's not much. There's a lot of um, evolution that, needs to take place in in every area from coaches athletes um the audience itself so i know there's work ahead and i'm excited for it
0: so i think we're almost running out of time so one last or a couple last things i want to ask you about so okay one thing that I preach to my clients, like I was telling you more, uh, before, are my seven pillars of optimal health. And I just want to share them with you. And then I want you to agree, disagree, add on, comment on it if, if you can, if that's okay.
1: Okay, Okay. Great. My
0: seven pillars of optimal health are functional breathing, mindfulness, s- proper sleep, proper hydration, okay. balanced nutrition, stress management, and consistent exercise and this is seven Mm -hmm. seven pillars of optimal health i think for anyone and they're in that hierarchy because if you notice consistent exercise was last because you can be exercising really well and really hard but if you don't have all those other six things in check you're not going to be at your optimal health so what do you think about those seven pillars
1: i think those are great i think you have the right pillars to be honest um and performance and wellness is just um has a lot of variables that come into play you cannot be as you said you cannot be training this hard and great and everything but let's say that mentally you're shattered and you're all over the place and there's a lot of things going on in your personal emotional life or whatever you want to call it that is going to impact every other variable or every other pillar so you got to have in mind that you got to check all those boxes. Of course, we're not perfect. Of course, um, uh, you know, life gets in the way. A lot of things might happen in your daily life, your routine, um, but you got to create a balance. As we talk between parasympathetic and sympathetic, it's kind of the same thing. There is this fine line between that balance where you cannot be overtraining or under eating or over overeating, or probably mentally, you're not in the right place, or you're not recovering well. So just have in mind, try to check all those boxes every day. And of course, there's going to be days that you're probably going to fall off the wagon. But you can get back, you know, whenever you want, and whenever you feel it's, it's the right moment. And with one of the things that I, I've seen nowadays happening, and even with myself, sometimes we have this mentality of hustling all the time and, you know, going hard all the time because we have so many things to accomplish that we don't even allow ourselves to take a break and just to, you know, take a step back and just relax and have this different perspective of hustling, you know? Same thing with, with overtraining. If you don't take a step back and relax and just see how you're doing and everything else, you're going to fail myself, you know, you're going to fail, or you're going to be burned out.
0: Over hustling. (laughs) Yeah, Over hustling -hustling. mentality. It's true. No, totally. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that just, that's where breath work comes into mind for me, because when I take, like, sometimes I'll just put on like a three minute timer, and then just just Mm -hmm. on breathing, and nothing but the breath, because that allows me to get back to my breath, follow it, and then just, just tune out from everything and not be so caught up in my head of, Oh, I got to be successful in this. I got to accomplish this. I just breathe and, uh, bring like, I bring like a spiritual aspect and I kind of just bring gratitude for every single breath. Yeah. That's so
1: important. Statement.
0: Yeah. And just being in that moment and allowing the breath to just give you that, that energy of just, just even being alive. And a lot of people don't, tune into that that side and they get so caught up like you said in their head and being successful rather than just being where they are and appreciating exactly yeah
1: Yeah, that's that's key for me I mean I try to do it every day I try to meditate before I get into work or just do something else I just try to relax because I've cut myself sometimes into you know what (gasps) there's a lot of things that I need to do today I need to do this and that and And my head starts like to go at a hundred miles. And so I try to slow down. I'm just waking up. I I might put, you know, um, some beats of meditation and then I just breathe and do a little bit of breath work, even if it's five minutes. um, It's great because that's a way, that's a great way to start your day. It really can set the tone of the rest of the day. And as you said, just to be grateful for everything. And I think it's a it's a good idea to do that, just to soak in the moment and be grateful for your achievements and for everything that you have in your life.
0: Amen. Amen. Preach it, girl. So everybody who's listening, mm-hmm. take some time to just relax and appreciate the moment. Please. You don't have to be so caught up in your head about all the existential pressures and all that. Just relax, enjoy yourself, enjoy your life a little bit, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, last one, last one, because uh, we're a little over on time. What does optimal human performance mean to you?
1: Wow, that's a good one. Okay, okay. Well, as I told you, I think it's it's a, a coordination of different variables. For me, I think the mental aspect plays a huge role in terms of performance whether you're a high level athlete, or just uh, someone that likes to do sports um, as a hobby, or whatever you do in life, mental aspect is everything because that is going to set the tone for everything else in your life. Um, What you think about you bring about. And to be honest, that applies for every area in your life. If you're having positive thoughts, um, of course, you're gonna have have this positive energy that you're going to bring out to your life, you know, whether it's in your relationships, sports, training, nutrition, everything. So for me, it's to create a balance in everything. And even, even with the wrong stuff, let's call it that way, call one, quote, unquote, where if you want to have a piece of chocolate, if you don't want to exercise one day, you know, it's to create that balance in life, it's part of enjoying life. And sometimes I think, uh, because we live in this, I call it the microwave era, <laughs> where we have it, we want everything like, you know, wow. this fast, um, we lose sight of enjoying life and just to loosen up sometimes and not be that as strict or that rigid sometimes. And, it's that just to have a well-rounded and good balance in everything in your life but your mental game you gotta step on that and just do level up on that because that is gonna impact your overall performance
0: well said beautiful so everybody out there get your mental game on check because the stronger your mentality is the stronger your physicality will be eventually as well
1: yeah of course
0: Right. So any last plugs, um, maybe you want to promote your social media, maybe promote an event coming up or something, just any shout outs. One last thing before we uh, close this up.
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, I'm always on IG. Um, my handle is Melissa double S, Prieto P-R-I-I-E-T-O. I'm always up to questions. I'm always willing to answer to have a chat and conversation, you know, about breathing, sports performance, sports science, MMA, of course, (laughs) I'm always there. And um, yeah, we'll be having upcoming um, master classes and seminars with oxygen advantage. So keep an eye on that. And I'll be doing some of myself as well independently. So I'll, I'll keep you posted. I'll keep you posted on the dates.
0: What are the prices of these courses?
1: So in terms of certification, I'll have to check on on check back with Patrick because they're updating everything. They're even updating um, the website. I don't know if you have noticed or logged back in. Uh, but I will tell you up on that. I don't want to lie on that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, well, I'll definitely keep in touch then. Uh, maybe one last shout out for the Latino following that might be listening as well.
1: Yeah, of course. Or my, all my Latinos, my Latin people. I'm really proud to be a Latin um, girl. To be honest, I think we're crushing it. We're we have we have demonstrated that we have a, a place in this world um, where we're doing great things. Not just in the sports industry, but music industry. It's huge, um, arts industry, and I'm really proud of it. And just Hey, keep on going, people. We got this.
0: <laughs> right. On. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Melissa, for your time. We had an awesome conversation and I hope that people listening are inspired and learn something new and that uh, we added quality to their lives. So again, this, yeah, is,
1: hope the same.
0: this is Mikuni Munsayak signing out. Aloha. All
1: right.
0: Mahalo for listening to another episode of Friday Night Kunani Patrol. Feel free to follow my journey at Kunani Patrol on Instagram and Mikuni Munsayak on Facebook. Lastly, if you were motivated, inspired, or learned something new from this podcast, please support this show by clicking the Patreon link in the podcast description even just $1 a month would help support this show of creating content to help you all live your best lives. This is Mikuni Munsayek, signing out. Aloha.
1: Friday Night Kunjane Patrol